Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Akira Minute. It's a freaky Friday here at Akira Minute. This is the only English-language podcast that examines the 1988 landmark anime classic Akira one minute at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Richard Dunham from DunhamRC.com. I'm Jack Stovall from ReopeningTheWormhole.com. Hey, and I'm your guest for the for the week, wrapping up the week, uh, Chris Frain, and I recorded an album under the artist's name Pattern Language, and you can find that on Spotify. Mm. Whoa, dude. It's like a kind of synth, instrumental synth pop. Cool. I like that. Thanks for finishing the week with us, Chris. My pleasure. Hey, I neglected to congratulate you all for passing the one hour mark, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yes. you. Just, yes, after this minute, we have one hour to go. And change. Yeah. I think Hakshiroyo, baka! <laughs> yes, let's get rolling. <laughs> Things definitely are getting freaky on this Friday in the baby room as this minute, number 65, starts with <laughs> Tetsuo blinking at. Canada in disbelief. Plink, plink. And it ends with some <laughs> flying rocks breaking the fake skylight. Yeah, out of context, that very first shot of him doing the... Because the mouth is open as well. It's, just, okay. it's a classic take of, huh? <laughs> I'm all-powerful and all-knowing, but huh? <laughs> You had me at Bakayaro. <laughs> is is Tetsuo in love? Turns, turns out not. Well, I guess he's in love with himself. I'm sure he has a deep, abiding romantic love for Kaori. Uh, <laughs> remember Kaori? I do remember Kaori. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how deep and romantic his feelings are. I'm sure he's possessive. Yeah, she was in this. Min- she was in this movie. Yes. What, like thirty minutes ago or something? <laughs> and she will be in another 30 another minutes. 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, okay. For, for, for about a little a bit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Poor Cody. Mm-hmm. I like the surreal image of the security forces emerging out of the cartoon cat's mouth. <laughs> I like that sentence. <laughs> Some brave uh, brave men here. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've had to have gone through that hallway to get here. Unless, is this the, which side, which, I, f- I think the cat mouth is the one that, because <laughs> uh, there's a bear mouth on the other side, right? Oh. This is the, this is the same entrance that everyone came through where that hallway outside is fucked up, right? Uh. This is the one yeah. Tetsuo came through, right? And... And Canada, right? Yeah. Like I don't ever. have any reason to believe otherwise. Yeah. This, this, I think we probably we guessed that the this is the only way in and out, and the other door is like to some other storage room behind, or some like technical yeah. lab behind it or something. Yeah. That makes sense. Or some... The bear mouth. Positive pressure room for Kyoko or something. 
Maybe that's the dark room where they were measuring her. Well, everybody's looking for more office, you know, home office space these days. So that's true. That's, that's that makes true. sense. Yeah. It goes into a, a WeWork shared office space. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking to transform my my workplace into a grotesque kindergarten. <laughs> At the taxpayer's expense, of course. I used to play bass for grotesque kindergarten. <laughs> Man, you've been in so many bands, Chris. Yeah. Well, there's a high demand for bass players. Okay. <laughs> high demand and low barrier to entry. <laughs> Ooh, sick burn. Do you know E? Yeah. Do you know A? Yeah, you're in the band. <laughs> <laughs> That's why so many people used to play bass for bands. Yeah, I've heard uh, a variation on joke, which is kind of stretched out for this kid, like... Uh, convinces his dad to buy him a bass and he goes to a lesson comes back hey son how's the bass lessons going oh it's gr- they're going great i learned how to play a oh great and then uh, the next day he comes back from his lesson how'd this lesson go son oh it went great learned how to play e oh great and then the next day he says how'd the lesson go son can't talk got a gig <laughs> <laughs> yeah the classic American joku right there. <laughs> As they say in Japan, anytime you say anything, if you're American, they will say that. And it gets to be pretty irritating <laughs> after a while. They're calling you an American joke, Jack. Or they're just saying American Jack. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're laughing with me, not at me. Unlike Tetsuo in <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way that Kaneda gets cut off. And he says, "Oh yeah, but all the guys coming in. Yeah, if we don't, we don't hear hurry. those guys, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> we don't hurry those guys that are coming in. Cut off by the guys coming in. Now, I I hinted at this in an earlier episode when I said, you know, this was sort of our head canon of what the relationship between Anakin and Obi Wan would have been like." This exact scene is what is what I wanted out of one of the prequel movies, you know, maybe the third prequel movie, where, like, he just decides, you know what, I know I'm more powerful than yep. you, and just throws him across the room, you know. <laughs> at the end, yes. And laughs at, the, at him. Yeah. Right. At the beginning which is what I hate that we never got, was where they actually did seem like good friends. Like, he was a good friend. Never got that sense right. in the movies. But Yeah, when did that ever happen? We never... <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Huh? <laughs> Apparently in Clone Wars, which I haven't watched, but whatever. Oh, but that's... Yeah. They were supposed to be buds. And then, at the end, they'd be like this, and it would be awesome. But uh, neither yeah. of those things really happened that way. This is definitely the post-turn to the dark side minute. This is... <laughs> yes. It's true. I can defeat the Emperor. <laughs> we can make things, things the way we want them to be. From my point of view, Akira is evil. You, as, you underestimate <laughs> my power. power. Don't try it, Kanada. <laughs> oh, wait. No, Tetsuo. That's the equivalent of screaming, <laughs> Tetsuo! That's the equivalent of saying, Where are you, idiot? So when uh, Tetsuo's making his little speech, mm. the animation of his face, 
I guess it's is what uh, Barm called the cute Canada when Canada <laughs> had the same kind of animation style. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in the um, hallway outside of the Revolutionary Cells apartment. This is very kind of Don Bluth. Yeah. Style of animation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's something that feels a little more American about it than a lot of the rest of the movie. Yeah, you can definitely see this turned into a, a computer animated scene with a yes. Pixar style facial expressions here. <laughs> and a lot of that uh, unnecessary movement. Yes, walking and pacing back around. and forth around, <laughs> yeah. you know, around the room. <laughs> Sweeping gestures. Kanejan, you. <laughs> Uh, what do you think of the subtitles rendering this as Connie? Does that work for you? The English version, him saying Kane-chan, and calling him the English subtitles say Connie. Connie. Hmm. You don't think it's very canny? <laughs> <laughs> is it implying that he's referring to him as a little boy? Well, yeah, he's saying Kane-chan, which is very, like, uh... Yeah. It's... I, I mean, I think it works. Kind of feels the same way, like, oh, little man. Yeah. Yeah, like you would, if someone's name was William, you'd say Billy or. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Billy, little Billy boy. Where up till now he's been, has to call him like Will or something. Now he's like, hey, I'll be in charge of the heroics now, Billy boy. Yeah. It works for me. I, I, I got what they were trying to yeah. say with that. I think it works, but it's just, it's funny to me. Connie. Hey, little guy. Connie. Connie <laughs> Jan, yo. And I think between 1988 and now, they're probably, the people who are most likely to see this movie know that Chan means yeah. like little boy or whatever. Like, they're just going to know that. So it's like, it'd be funny if they subtitled it now or, and we're just like, yeah, just leave it in there as, as it's, it's Chan because. Oh, like fan sub. It would definitely be, yeah. Yeah. Fan sub, and then maybe in parentheses with a little explanation under it. <laughs> Japan, Sean, is a diminutive form of sun. Yeah, with a little, little asterisk. See, I would benefit one. from that. <laughs> yeah. A little pop-up on the, the Or you the click the on VH a little pill. Like a VH1. VH1 <laughs> pop-up pop video. Yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> Press star on your uh, remote <laughs> to get more information. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, kuchikiku. Yes, I noticed <laughs> this that. movie. Everyone's very concerned with how you kiku your coochie. <laughs> yes. God, that sounds <laughs> very dirty. That's what she said. <laughs> I never thought about how in Jap Japanese the word for mouth is coochie. <laughs> <laughs> Just never, I never made that connection until that right now. How funny that is. <laughs> For Chris, what that means is Kuchi no Kikikata is like, or they're talking about watch watch your mouth, watch basically, your mouth, or how yeah. you talk to me. Yeah, uh, The okay. same way that... How, uh, how you use your mouth. Yeah. yeah. Same way that when Kaneda called that uh, soldier an uncle or an old man. Yes, exactly. He yeah. said, hey, right, watch right. your mouth, kid. Yeah. It's the same. Kuchi, kuchi kiki kiyotsukete. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what Kaneda says to him. Hey. Who the hell do you think you're talking to with a mouth like that, basically? And then Tetsuo uses the same kind of phrase. Says, oh, you don't like the way that I'm speaking to you? Yeah. Which is, uh, leads into my favorite part of this minute, which is how 
that's that's like classic classic Tetsuo. Classic Tetsuo. He just uh, he he wants to start out so cool, dripping with condescension towards Tetsuo, but or towards Kaneda, but uh, he just can't keep it together. And then eventually, like, oh, you don't like the way you talk to you? Well, I talk to you. What are you gonna do about it? And just. Uh, can't help but fly into a rage, basically. Loses cool. He just can't be cool for any amount of time. Yeah. What a what a baby. <laughs> and apparently when that happens, there's a fan. There's like a box fan or something in front of him because as soon as he flies into his into a rage, his clothes start flapping in a very it's coming f- from directly in front of him. It's not just a whirlwind. It's a, it's it actually has direction to it. Which I think is interesting. That's the white hot rage flying off of Canada. Yeah. He cannot take this type of kikikata of the coochie. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it. yeah, uh, to your point, Jack, it just goes to show that Tetsuo is never going to be in control. He's never going to be a leader. He's never going to be able to tell other people what to do because... Before he can convince or cajole or threaten anybody into doing what he wants, he's going to just lash out and smash him. I mean, he's like the Hulk. Yeah, because... He thinks he's Dr. Doom, but he's actually the Hulk. Yes. And he'll... Yeah, because he has... He will never be able to stop nursing his bruised ego ever. Yeah, it's classic insecurity, you know, that... And you give... I, I have found, this is all joking aside, that... When you give people who are insecure power, it never it never works out good. Like, really? Is there any examples of that in recent history you can think of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like the dude's got a massive chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Those little kids are right. He shouldn't have this much power. Yeah. No. It's no uh rainbow castle in the sky <laughs> as we see on the wall behind Tetsuo. <laughs> thought you were talking about the Mario 64 level. It appears that there's like pea soup or something under the floor when he <laughs> when he causes the floor to explode under them. It's like a, a greenish yellow yeah. substance that was under the floor this whole time. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's probably asbestos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that drywall can get uh, yeah very dusty. Mm-hmm. So the the rotunda at the top. So are they on the top floor of the whole complex? Then, if it's looking out into, they're in the eighth basement level, right? See, yeah, this is. So why is there a rotunda? Right, that's why when... I, I called it a fake skylight. Yeah, in my intro because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, this is what has confused me for years. Like until we started doing this podcast. I always thought this was like at the top of the building because we also see spoilers for next week. It seems like Tetsuo just flies like right out of this room up to the top of the building. Right. And then like the Colonel also stages this little coup and it seems to be like on top of the building in the helicopter pad. With the hel- with the helicopters. And, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The Colonel stages his little coup. Aw. Yeah, I mean, unless this room is like I think six hundred <laughs> stories tall. Yeah, that that ceiling is a lot higher than you think it is. <laughs> but yeah, it is. I think the Occam's Razor explanation is the person who who drew the 
thing saying that it was sub-basement eight was not in the same room with the person who did the rest of this. And they, yeah, this ended up being, it, it was intended as a top floor the whole time. But I mean, it's it's been mentioned several times. It's like set up in several preceding scenes that oh, we have to get to the sub basement. It's basement level eight. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't pick up on it because I'm stupid. But um, but you just... know, it, it can't that can't be true because Otomo hand drew and colored every single frame of the movie. Right. <laughs> of course. It's just one guy. Wow, that's a terrible strain. <laughs> I mean. This is the guy where I could almost believe that would be true. Yeah. He's so obsessive. But uh, it is underground. We've Yeah, we've also <laughs> talked about this building many times. How impossibly large and tall it is. How many... Richard, you did like a little... Based on one of the establishing shots, you did a little estimation of how many floors it would yeah, have. What was it? Like, like 600, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like counted like how many lines of windows were like in a thumb span and then just like counted the thumb spans and <laughs> multiplied that yes. out. Yeah. So Jeez. like uh the helicopter shouldn't even work up there. The air is too thin. <laughs> <laughs> the carburetors freeze up there. Yeah. <laughs> just see they're the colonel like yeah. <laughs> the goes up there for the queues, they're all wearing oxygen masks. Yeah. He tries to you pull off the coup and he's like <gasps> you're, That's what that you're, that piece in the soundtrack is. <laughs> right. With the, the deep inhales. Battle against cloud. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> We've been hearing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> Battle against oxygen deprivation. Yeah, not uh, I didn't have a lot of notes. I think that's all I had. Yeah. Well you mentioned uh, Chris earlier in the week. That uh, comparisons to 2001, which I think there yes. are a lot of, especially with the ending, the ascension to a higher plane or something. Are there any other parallels you see in the film? Because, boy, I love talking about 2001, so <laughs> <laughs> didn't get enough of it with you. Well, I mean, yeah, there's this, you know, obviously Akira and then Tetsuo both, they've advanced into the next stage of human evolution and i swear i was waiting for a star baby in those last like right. <laughs> 20 seconds where it's just those abstract circular patterns yeah. of light mm -hmm. and i remember walking out of the theater like thinking that way too like whoa the ending just pulled a 2001 on me <laughs> like in the in the last 20 30 seconds of the movie but also um and i may have mentioned this in a previous minute but just the room that we're in for these last five minutes, the the baby room, hmm. um, it, yeah, it really reminds me of that that place that Dave Bowman goes before he becomes a, st a star baby, as we say on the show, uh, sort of waiting for his evolution. And the whole idea in the novel was that it would be a comfortable place for him. It was the alien's idea or God, or whatever you want to call it, idea of what would be comforting for a human being from Earth. Yeah. And this giant kindergarten room is like you gave a weird adult infinite resources <laughs> and said, make something you know fun for a five-year-old. And they'd be like, 
Well, okay. Um, fairy tales and castles and sci-fi. You know, stuffed animal Space. heads and whatever. Safari. And, it, yeah. and it's and it's off because a kid in even a five-year-old in fictitious 2019 would basically want a PS5 and the biggest <laughs> television in the world. Exactly. Or a horse, like an actual horse or something. <laughs> they wouldn't want like this weird fairy tale world. Well, yeah, it's like a... So I think that that's sort of similar in that it's someone, it's that disconnect of someone trying to guess what a, a child, another being would, would find comforting. And, and then even more in Congress is when we think, oh, these kids are in their 30s. Yes. I, yeah. Like, I have to wonder if they feel like and, they're being. And they have highly developed brains. Yeah. So, like, they really wouldn't want. This would be like a hell or like a joke, like a cruel joke to them to be in this room 24 7. That's, yes, exactly. That's what I think, too. Like, do they feel they're being patronized almost? Doesn't seem like they do, but they should. So, is it whose idea? Is it Dr. Onishi? Is it his idea of what a five-year-old yeah. would like? Do you think it's... Was Dr. Onishi at the beginning of the project with them? Or did he join later? Uh, I don't know. We don't. I don't think you see him in the flashbacks when they're all in the institution. Not that we recognize him, no. Uh, yeah, it'd be... And I wonder, like, if the original staff, like, how many of them were killed in the Akira incident. Right. Yeah, it also feels like even, like, what are they frozen at? Like, what, a nine, ten-year-old level, it seems like? So, right. it seems almost pitched even too young for that level. Yeah. So, it's, right. it's like... Exactly. A, so, even if, they, even if they're stuck mentally at ten years old, this is still too... Yeah. <laughs> too babyish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's... So, it's... So it's just one big cruel joke for them. Yeah. It's like adults who kind of, once they get older, they forget, you know, what kids at different ages are like. It's just this blanket. Oh, children love these little things. Even, you know, cause children at different ages have very different interests. But it's just the blanket. Well, kids, I don't know. I barely remember being a kid. They, they love this crap. Yeah, it's like when I when I try to talk to my neighbor's kid and I'm like... How are you today? How are you doing? He's like, I'm good. <laughs> doing great. I went to <laughs> I went to community college. It started today. It went really well. Thanks. Wow, my how you've grown. Well, I'm drinking more, so that explains it. Yeah. The other 2001 parallels. So you mentioned the ending of the Ascension too, but I think yeah, uh, Tetsuo's growth spurt is also just in terms of yeah the structure of the movie where it's suddenly it takes a turn into like whoa what the fuck is happening right now <laughs> like because yeah. that's that's yeah. like once dave gets into the stargate you're like the first time you see it you're like what right what <laughs> is happening right now and that's Right, it's, it's a whole separate act yeah. of of the movie yeah it's kind of this and it becomes very abstract and yeah. Yeah. When then Tetsuo starts growing, you're like, um, okay. <laughs> this is weird. This is not what I was expecting. 
Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard to see where it's going to go. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's not a lot of precedence in other films to guide you at this point. And in both movies, I feel like. And uh, I also feel like they kind of occupy similar places in their respective genres, almost. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would say, you know, 2000- 2001 was probably the first real attempt at philosophical, serious, and grounded in real-world physics sci-fi. Hmm. You know, where it's like, we're not doing space fantasy, we're doing hard sci-fi, and it's going to have this big statement. Yeah. It's not even a statement, it's really big question, you know. And I think Acura is like, at least for me, I'm not an expert, but it seems to me to be the first attempt at making a very serious animated movie um, in the Japanese system. And and a very philosophical one at the end. Yeah, and it similarly gives kind of brings up a lot more questions than it answers, and it's kind of weird and baffling <laughs> to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why there these <laughs> these movies are my jam. <laughs> yeah, I think just technically they both broke a lot of ground as well, right? Without. Yeah. Uh, you know, without the technical advances of 2001, like a lot of other science, like photorealistic science right. fiction movies just wouldn't have happened, right? It just, it, it just mm-hmm. raised the bar uh, yeah, for that as, as demonstrated what could be done. Yes, and they're also, they're both like visual feasts that still hold up to this day. And I feel yeah, like absolutely haven't quite been paralleled. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. Are you all ready for a kid's review? Oh, boy. Oh. Am I? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Bring it. Do it. All right. So, insert the theme music here. <laughs> and uh, so, I'll, I'll preface this with uh, an explanation for your listeners. So, on my podcast, we've done uh, a segment every once in a while, especially on Fridays, where we, I look at reviews that children have left of the movies we've covered on Common Sense Media, which is a nonprofit organization that tries to provide information on how suitable movies, books, whatever video games are for children, and then like a recommended age level and things like that. So I found the reviews from kids for 2001 to be delightful <laughs> because it's, you know, especially the, the younger the kid, it's just great to hear them try to put into words how they feel about what they just saw. <laughs> so Acura, I went through the reviews. There isn't that because it's so teen oriented or, you know, teen and above. I wasn't seeing any, any reviews from, from little kids, but I found a good one. There are 20-some reviews. I'll, I'll just read this one from a teen, 16 years old, who is recommending it for ages 12 and up. And, and this teen gives it five stars. Wow. The headline reads, anime classic, some mature content, but rated way too high. 
And I believe by rating, he, he I'm going to say he, I don't know if it's he or she. I believe by rating, they mean like regarding violence or language or whatever. Like the age okay. rating. Not, so the review continues. Not overrated. <laughs> not, right, because this person gave it five stars, so I don't think they think it's overrated. Okay, so this continues. This is a five-star anime classic film, and it is not, quote, iffy for 17-year-olds, unquote. (laughs) Are you serious now? This was originally rated 12 in the UK, so I think we're we're hearing from a British teen. Do the accent. I wouldn't say this film is without mature content, though. Violence, colon, lots of explosions, gunfights, and yes... The infamous arm explosion everyone talks about. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard it described. However, it is all moderate. It's a moderate, moderate, moderate arm it's, explosion. It's moderate. It's very, you know, I've seen more extreme arm explosions before. This is <laughs> this is middle, 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 <laughs> middle of the pack. <laughs> yeah. The one scene I'd classify as, quote, graphic violence, though it is a quite gory scene in a hospital in which a doctor and guards are mangled to death through telekinesis. Side note, I think that was that that happens right before the minutes I'm on. And I was excited to talk about that. And unfortunately, we didn't get into it. But yeah, they are turned into a goo. Okay, review continues. (laughs) There is very visible gore during this scene. So I'd say, quote, Know your kid when it comes to that scene, or perhaps fast forward. Like, I <laughs> guess you have to know it's there and then <laughs> yes. put a timestamp in there, kid. <laughs> it's pretty quick, though. I know, like, that's I like this whole idea that only graphic violence is disturbing. Like, there's no blood or anything at the end when uh, this thing happens to Tetsuo. So that's fine. That's not going to like haunt your dreams forever or anything. That's there's fine. Even this yeah. like uh, the fanged <laughs> teddy bear disintegrating, like to, to, <laughs> like chanting music. Yeah, that's should it's be fine. great. Yeah. <laughs> well, the review continues. Sex, colon, a girl is attacked by a gang. They tear her shirt and her breasts are visible for a second or two. It's not erotic or in any way played up for laughs. Language, colon, it really depends on the dub. The Pioneer dub, released in 2001, which I think is the version I have, and a bit easier to find, has a scene in the beginning in which a character yells, Aw, F word. But the original streamlined dub does not contain any spoken F-bombs. Both dubs and the Japanese versions contain sprinklings of mild language such as D-word, hell, and A-word, as well as a scene in which someone has graffitied F-U in the background. It's a very blink-and-you-miss-it shot, though. Drinking, drugs, and smoking, colon. Some characters drink and smoke, but it's hardly worth mentioning. No mention of peanuts. the peanuts. <laughs> no mentioning of pills either. <laughs> Capsules, peanuts. <laughs> nice. That's the review. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. 
did not disappoint. Five stars for that review. My review of the review, five stars. <laughs> oh, here's a good one. Real quick. I'm going to sneak in this, just the first sentence of this, because I wonder about it. Uh, this is written by a teen, 14 years old, says it's good for 14 and up. A real sci-fi classic animation deserves more respect, but be warned, it's confusing and very violent. Here's the part that's interesting. Most editions of this film are THX certified. Those afraid of the preview and the infamous deep note, mute it at the start when the THX appears. The giveaway will be a low to high note and some digitally remastered text in a blue box. Um, so apparently there are people who are scared of the THX logo, <laughs> like the sound. Is this? And so is he, no. I have. It's not even. It sounds silly, but I can see. What's it, that? Yeah. Well, so, so they're not even. He's not even talking about the film itself. Just the THX logo. The THX the, logo mm-hmm. might be a little too intense for younger viewers. Okay. But that's the only I, thing. <laughs> I have a feat. Yeah. <laughs> I have a fear of the Screen Gems logo, the the sound in it, and I also there was a there was a syndication company that did like I don't know if it was like He-Man or one of those, but it was called like WorldCom and it had the loudest blast of synthesizer noise and then this guy's voice that went world calm <laughs> and it used to send me running out of the room because it was just it was deafeningly loud compared to the actual thing you were watching so i under, i get it but it's still on paper it's, it's kind of funny to see somebody be walked through how to avoid the <laughs> yes. thx logo yeah i mean i guess if you have a really great sound system at home it might be kind of intense i ne- like in the theater Back in the day when they used to show it, it is it was quite a thing, and I've I've seen it. You know, there's a pretty famous parodies of it in both The Simpsons and Tiny Toon Adventures. How I Spent My Vacation, the movie. In The Simpsons, like a guy's head explodes in the theater. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Tiny Toon Adventures, How I Spent My Vacation, also had a similar thing where we saw people being blown out of the seats, and it said. The audience is now deaf. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, two absolute classics. I can I can see where it's coming. They're coming from, but at home, is it really that big of a thing? That big of a deal on your TV? No, it's it's just weird to call it out for just this movie. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I think there are probably other THX certified films, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, any any more amusing ones you have or? Oh, no, that's it. That's it for okay. now. Yeah, well, it was... But if you want to read some more, go to... And I do not work for them. Full disclosure, I do not work <laughs> for these people at all. But um, commonsensemedia.org. And then I, there's like a little search engine right inside of that. And just type in Acura and you'll find these reviews. Well, it was, it was delightful to uh, get you here reading that because that was something I looked forward to on Friday's Fergara, uh, open the pod bay doors, Hal. Yeah. So, it's back, baby. <laughs> uh, Richard, if you are down, I think we maybe want to start another little Friday tradition today. We have some, we have our first ever listener email. This is the first week we've recorded where our show is actually 
available to listen. It's a real thing now. <laughs> I never thought the day would come. <laughs> it's, it's really out in the world, yes. Uh, do you want to read an email from a listener? Yeah, we've got mail. <laughs> we do have mail. Toloiteo. Uh, yes, so this comes from my friend, my co-host of Reopening the Wormhole, Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast, Kevin Young, former guest of this show. Indeed. He was on for the fantastic uh, bureaucratic meeting of the Supreme Council. Yeah. Uh, the email's called Brighton Rock. Uh, Kevin's, <laughs> Kevin says, You guys mentioned Brighton Rock in Minute 3, and I wanted to point out that the opening track on Queen's third album, Sheer Heart Attack, is an absolute classic called Brighton Rock. The Japanese love Queen. I bet it was that song. Probably. Yes. Queen is very popular in Japan. Yes. I'd say that's, uh, that's a good bet. And I just, uh, I did listen to the track before we, before we recorded this episode, and sounds like a classic Queen jam. I don't think I've heard it. I, I neglected to listen to it before we recorded. Yeah, it's like a classic british lyrics about a lad on vacation and his lady, and a lot of, uh, guitar solos. Sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like the, uh, if you just said a Queen, like generic, I'm not saying like generic like it's bad it just sounds like like you think queen a this is what a queen, queen. <laughs> yes a typical queen song pretty was pretty good brighton rock i'll add it to the ocuta minute playlist <laughs> uh, kevin continues fun hearing jack reference the japanese prime minister as someone who will apparently always be prime minister this obviously was recorded before abe stepped down and suga took over should have released the pod sooner <laughs> Yep. Yep. Hard, hard to argue. Not sure what we can do with that advice, but... Uh... Better late than never. <laughs> you are correct, yes. sir. Long live Suga. At least it was... It, it was uh, Rewa, right? By the time we started recording. <laughs> yes, it was Rewa, at least. <laughs> yes, that, that's... <laughs> you haven't been recording that long. Akira Minute exists solidly within Rewa, both recording and... <laughs> It's possible the idea for it uh, started in a in a different age, but uh, I think we're 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 ensconced in Rewa. For the listeners, Rewa is the uh, the current imperial or era of Japan the, by their the Japanese mm -hmm. calendar, which is started in two thousand eighteen nineteen two thousand eighteen. I think was Rewa one. We're in three now, right? Are we? See, this is how this is how useful this calendar is. Yeah. I live here, and I can, I don't even know what year it is according to the calendar. So there's no mention of the imperial era in <laughs> yeah. this movie. Yeah, that's that's something to be avoided in uh, Japanese tales of the future. Like, <laughs> not even going to try and guess, but I mean, there's no mention of the imperial family at all. I mean, not that there should be, but uh, <laughs> no. we do have some politics coming up next week, so. Yeah, apparently all politics is local because, like, <laughs> the, you can have a coup d'etat of just a city. Right. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, we've talked about this. Like, we have no clue at all as to what's going on in the entire rest of the country. Right. <laughs> and um, I don't know. It's interesting to think about. You think, I mean, there's a good chance the Imperial family did not make it out of the initial incident. Yeah, or... You know, because they're right downtown, usually. 
well, I guess at the end we see uh, Emperor in the comic, Emperor Akira, or Emperor <laughs> Tetsuo. I can't remember. We do see and we do see, you know, people are anti-imperialist, but I don't know That's if right. that means that they're against the imperial family, the royal family, or just the, uh, yeah. I don't know what the fuck it means, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's just a slogan that sounds cool. Yeah. It sounds revolutionary. Yeah, I don't know what a coup in a city means. Is it like when... <laughs> Closest thing I can think of is when Mayor Daly bulldozed the Migsfield Airport. There's like this, there was like, there used to be an executive airport right on the shore of Lake Michigan. So Lake Michigan was this, you know, it's famous for being a park, a city park, like all the way along the coast, except there's this one area where there was like a small airport that CEOs and other like business people and rich people used to land small planes. And one late one night without consulting the city council, the mayor ordered giant X's to be bulldozed in the middle of the runways. So it was unusable. It was just kind of an executive action. And then since then, it's been turned That's into... That's a baller move. I like it's it. It's been turned into like a concert venue. The airport never came back. Well, what... Well, I flew what, in what, and out what, of that airport hundreds of times. Migs Field? And you may ask, wow, were you a, a CEO of a Fortune 500 company back in the 80s? No, I owned a copy of Microprose Flight Simulator <laughs> in glorious black and green wire wireframe <laughs> graphics, and that was the default airport. When you booted right. up the program, it put you in a Cessna 182 right on the the runway at at Meg's Field. Right, Meg's. My Meg's field, yeah. field, yeah, yeah, or Meg's. Oh, I thought you were gonna say it was because you were in such an in demand bass player. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, only in the Chicago scene, yeah, <laughs> you're right, yeah. <laughs> what, uh, well, what, uh, what happened to Mayor Daly? What was the fallout from this? Uh, basically, nothing. I mean, he can, oh. I mean, he could do basically whatever he wanted, so, so yeah, he's like. He is like the Colonel. Yes. Successful coup. Nice. Good for him. Well, um, anything else, guys? No. I'm, so, I'm I, I mean, we'll have, we'll have a lot more coup talk yeah. next week. Yeah. Coup to talk. <laughs> so, Chris, do you want to just review? We've mentioned already the Open the Podcast. Open the Podcast Doors Open How. Open the Podcast Doors How. You mentioned your album at the beginning. Yeah. That one's called Total Squaresville. <laughs> and it's by the artist, that's me, named Pattern Language. Pattern Language. The artist currently known as Pattern Language. <laughs> There's a whole story into why I don't use that name anymore that I don't want to get into. So. <laughs> it's <laughs> not even it. drama. It's just, it's just, yeah. Warner Brothers. Like it. Some Warner Brothers yeah. issue, it's right? Yeah. Sony Music and yeah, it's <laughs> ugly. And then I did another podcast that just wrapped. We just dropped our last episode yesterday, as of this taping, called This Means Something, and that was a Movies by Minute about Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Awesome. And uh, I just wanted to remind our listeners that uh, there are, I think, 197. Oh, my goodness. As of this recording, uh, Movies by Minutes podcast that you can find at moviesbyminutes.com, I think. 
Ours was the 197th to be added as I was checking it after I submitted it. Uh, Yeah. I think the most interesting thing about that page is that by and large, it's by chronological order. Yeah. Like when you go to that page and you look at the number of podcasts, it's got Star Wars Minute up at the top, even though I've heard that there was one that even preceded Star Wars Minute. Gutterballs. The big Lebowski Right. Yeah. Right. And then it goes through. And what I am so stunned by is like the fourth or fifth one is for the movie A Talking Cat. Yeah. (laughs) Which... I've never even heard of that. I'm not... This is not me dissing that podcast or its hosts. I just have fun imagining like we have this whole genre of podcasting in front of us. We could do anything we want as long as we don't do Star Wars. We have we can the, the it's just a boundless infinite universe of possibilities. Yeah, let's do a talking cat. <laughs> Which, if you've seen the film, I use the term film loosely. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's something else. Yeah, I don't even know what it is. Like, I'll, 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 in my imagination, I'm just thinking of Space Cat, the like the Disney movie, the cat from outer, the space. cat from outer space, the cat from outer space, the glowing yeah. necklace. Yeah, that's Citizen <laughs> yes. Kane compared to a talking cat. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. Yeah. So you can find on that list, you can find uh, my other podcast, Ghibli Minute, which I do with my daughter. And uh, Jack, where else can our listeners find you? You got options. Um, I mentioned it already today, but uh, I do a Deep Space Nine podcast with our email writer, Kevin, and my brother. We've already done every episode of Deep Space Nine, but we can't stop, so... We've reduced our schedule, but we basically do an episode a month, doing bonus things. Currently, this year, we're having a lot of fun going through every episode to prominently feature Ferengis from all the other Star Trek shows. So we're going to... We still haven't covered every minute available of Quark in the Star Trek universe, so we're going to fix that. We're gonna, mm. Quark has little cameos in TNG and Voyager. So we're going to subject ourselves to Voyager. And uh, I also do a Planet of the Apes-centered podcast with uh, Jeff Clark, future guest on this show. So we've done all the movies, we've done all the 70s TV shows, the cartoon and the live-action show, which a lot of people probably don't even know about. There were two Planet of the Apes television shows, and they are fantastic. Uh, plus, we do bonus episodes about oh boy movies featuring apes. So <laughs> those that's you know you're in for a quality film anytime there's an ape in the movie. So and we're always looking for suggestions for future films to cover on that. So head on over to the Apecast and uh, check it out. We're also doing comics. There's a wide world of Planet of the Apes comics out there, so we're we're taking a look at a lot of the comics. A few months ago, we finished doing all the Dark Horse comics based on the Tim Burton movie, and that closed out our coverage of the surprisingly large extended universe of the that mediocre Tim Burton remake of Planet of the Apes. Apecast. Check it out. We're now on Stitcher, I'm proud to say. Woo! So, finally. Woo! It's, a, it's a more fun than a barrel of apes. 
which is pretty fun, guys. Oh yeah, and also uh, Jack's Silly Little Friendly Neighborhood Star Trek Discovery Short Treks Picard and Lower Decks podcasts. When you're hearing this, a uh, new season of Lower Decks is probably on, so I'm there every week talking about Lower Decks, and then we'll be covering season four of Discovery, the new kiddie show, Prodigy, and then uh, next year, right on into Picard and Strange New Worlds, so it's a lot of Star Trek being shoved down our gullets <laughs> yes. these days, and I am covering it all. You're wallowing in it. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again, Chris. My pleasure. It's a delight having you on the show. And uh, we'll catch you all next time here on Akira I'm going to be making smoothies during the recording. Um, just let me know if it's too loud.